Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jesse Rivera, of course, and you are listening once again to Comic Talk, the podcast. And for that, I thank you. Today, I was about to record a podcast with my now close friend, Becky Lynn, and I was looking forward to it because I think Becky is super talented and I think she's super funny. And I was so much looking forward to just getting into a great conversation with her about comedy. And we did ultimately, but <clears throat> as the interview started, the uh, initial tweets, Facebook posts, Instagram posts were starting to come through about the great tragedy that, that happened today. Um, we are mourning the loss today of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, who was only 13. And Kobe himself was only, I believe, 41. And obviously uh, a legend in the game and his daughter a legend in the making. Uh, now may they rest in peace and we all just find a way to deal with this because we're all going to deal with it someday. And Becky um, <clears throat> had some insights into this topic and we talked about comedy we talked about tragedy we talked about bombing in comedy and ultimately the conversation went back to just how we all deal with grief and how dealing with grief uh is sometimes really really hard but sometimes um it doesn't need to be as hard as we make it for ourselves if we kind of somehow not saying that we could ever prepare for a tragedy like what happened today but just I guess I don't want to be cliche about it, but just by living our best life and making sure that the people that we allow into our world are the people that we need to have in our world and that we tell the people that we love that we love them because you never know. Right. So without much further ado, and I don't want to just talk about it too much more. Um, here is a conversation I had this afternoon with my good friend Becky Lynn and we just want to pay our respects to Kobe and his daughter and just give the world a hug right now okay thanks guys take care I just want to talk about comedy and I think we're obviously going to talk about Kobe oh my gosh this is so heartbreaking I just can't even imagine especially like I, I don't know I'm almost speechless like I really don't know what to say uh, I've only known for like eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. And this I was, is insane. I was, it's funny because like I was, I always hope that the people are early. Right. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and I was like, I hope she's early because I was like, oh shit, what's this? Oh, no. And then I was like, oh wait, I hope she's a couple minutes late now. <laughs> and then that was like my opening line to you when I came in. I was like, did you hear the news? Yeah. Yeah. And then my, my neighbors have just been outside like all oh, like God. the last, really, it's only been like 20 minutes that we've known. That's insane. So rest in peace. Rest in peace. The Mamba. Oh my gosh. Kobe. Kobe. Did didn't um LeBron just pass him last night like on the top scoring list? I don't know. I think so. I think LeBron just passed him last night as like the number three all time scorer. Oh my goodness. But man, this is this is too bad. I just can't I'm I feel for the fans. Yeah. And just all the all the kids that looked up to him and all the all the grown men. You said that. Yeah. So, somebody just posted, posted that like people were openly sobbing at an oil change station that men were. And this is man. There's going to be so many sad people everywhere. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to see little kids all upset learning about death for the first time. And it's Kobe Bryant like their hero. Someone they thought was just invincible. Uh, 
I'm like thinking of all the guys I went to high school with that were just like diehard Lakers fans. I'm like, should I text them? Yeah. <laughs> Are they okay? Somebody needs to. Somebody. Needs, I was just telling you that I'm like worried about my nephew who's like, yeah. he's Lakers. Like, oh, <sighs> this is so sad. Man, this is going to be a rough day. And this is one of those days too. like there are those celebrity deaths that really hit hard. Like Michael Jackson, when Prince died, that yes. one was really rough. And this is going to be like up there. Well, you know what um, was interesting? I kind of wanted to bring this up is that I'm glad you brought up Michael Jackson because um, I, I like I love social media and mm-hmm. how how time travels. So real time on social media and Michael Jackson was the first celebrity death that I first heard about on Twitter. Oh, wow. And then it took the, but like not everybody was on social media yet. Mm -hmm. And I worked in a call center and I was in a meeting and I said, guys, they're tweeting that Michael Jackson passed away and nobody believed me because it was on Twitter. Oh my goodness. And it wasn't until about maybe 45 minutes to an hour later mm-hmm. once real news started reporting it that they were like hey jess did you i'm like yeah i, was, I told you <laughs> i told you guys i this is so messed up i was um i was working at mcdonald's and michael jackson died uh-huh. and i was working the back the first drive through window at, at, we called it back drive and i must have been oh geez like 19 or 20 and I got a text message. We weren't even supposed to have our phones on us. We were working drive through, but like right. obviously everybody did. And I got a text from KHOP, which is a radio station out of like the Central Valley. Uh, just and it told me that Michael Jackson died and like my mouth fell open and like some lady is like outside the window trying to hand me her money and I turned her and I took it and I was like, Michael Jackson is dead. And she was like, what? And then I told like four more cars and then I was like, I probably shouldn't just be telling these <laughs> they're just trying to like get their coffee and go about their day and i'm like by the way (laughs) you know the biggest pop star you've ever known he's gone i'm so sorry um yeah now i just don't tell people when other people die let them find out on their own what uh what celebrity death has affected you like profoundly like it just messed you up for like an hour even if it was just like something that you got stuck in for an hour but you're like i wasn't expecting this and if you're thinking about it amy winehouse Mm-hmm. I was yeah. so you know what go ahead tell that your, one tell your Amy I story. just <laughs> tell your Amy story I sobbed uh-huh. that was the first celebrity celebrity death that I was just like this cannot be real like there's no way that this is happening like I'm not I'm not ready for this and it was like shortly after I had discovered her music so I was mm-hmm. like going back into these like you know albums that she had like first put out and they were so just like soulful and like kind of strange for like that time yeah yeah and um as soon as i found out she died i was like i can't i can't do anything right now (laughs) like this is not okay i'm not ready like with amy like she was somebody who like even even in her life we wanted to protect her Mm -hmm. right yeah that's why i never let myself get into her yeah while she was alive because like i was like i know where this is going yeah i've seen this story too much oh yeah and i can't i can't be vulnerable (laughs) You know, it's too hard when and, you know how a story's gonna end. Yeah, and then when it's it hard happened, to watch it anyways. I was like, oh, then once the documentary came out, I let myself. I was like, all right, let's. So hard. And I watched it at Tower, and I was just like sobbing, mm-hmm. and and then, uh, but there's some really beautiful moments in that documentary. As as sad as that documentary is, um, when she wins the Grammy. Is oh, like yeah. my, one of my all-time favorite documentary moments. Like just that instance of gratification and just like, sheer joy. Yes, that like you knew she hadn't felt 
truly um, like organic, real, non-drug or alcohol induced joy yes. was just like, and it, it, it shows so differently to an audience right. to just see somebody experience that. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really that was my Beautiful. that was my favorite part of the documentary. Yeah. Like I'll I'll sometimes I haven't watched I've maybe watched it four times. Yeah. But a couple of times like it was like I was like I can't finish this, but I knew that moment was coming up, so I was like let me just watch that part. Yeah. Yeah. I can oh, do that yeah. with like great movies. Like I'll oh, just let me watch this part. Yeah, let me watch the good part and then the rest of it I don't need to do that. The, the celebrity death that got me was uh MCA of the Beastie Boys. Oh. Uh, that one cuz that was that was my rock and roll. That yeah. was my Elvis. That my was, brother was a huge Beastie Boy. I mean, still is a yeah. huge Beastie Boys fan. Yeah. Again. And then just but because like by that point I was I was a mature adult and I understood that you know, this is part of life and I've like, you know, kind of like, you know, come close to my own mortality, uh, you know, and, and so like, I was like, I knew what the finality of it was. Yeah. And, and just knowing that there wasn't going to be, there was like my whole life I had looked forward to the next Beastie Boy record, mm -hmm. the next Beastie Boy concert. And like, I knew that that part of my life was over and that, yeah. that really fucked with me. That was a sad one. That was a sad one. Um, but yeah. Um, now and it's funny because like with social media breaking stories, um, now I trust TMZ and Twitter more than I trust anyone else. Yeah, it's wild, right? Right. How quickly I'm just like, yeah, no, this must be true because uh -huh. I saw it was the TMZ article I saw first, and I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely true. I don't need to vouch because you see these celebrity deaths all the time on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first thing you do is like, let me Google it. Well, the first thing a sound person should do is right. let me Google this mm -hmm. and double check it. Um, but when I saw that the source was TMZ, I was almost like immediately like deflated. Like, yep. this, yeah, this, this is it. This is true. Um, I overheard my neighbors uh, talking about it. And after about three minutes or four minutes, one of them said, no, it's on World Star. Now I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So we, we all have our source of truth. That's true. I mean, I get a lot of uh, I love the shade room on Instagram. That's where I get a lot of my uh urban in quotes news i guess okay all right <laughs> so i think there's a few there's a few different like avenues to to get pop culture news but really what's 20 what's trending on twitter i think is like always it's a good a good every, signifier that something's real every morning when i wake up and right before i go to bed i check to see what's trending on twitter yeah, just yeah, to yeah. make sure we're you not gotta. we're not in world war three yet mm -hmm. because especially today like not today, but like in these times that we're living in, like you never know, like what oh, yeah. is next, or there's a virus. <laughs> something. Yes, yeah. the corona coronavirus is the, that what's happening that's, right now? Yeah, it's the coronavirus. That <sighs> um, I saw an improv show last night. Um, I don't know, if you, you may have heard of them, the Hypothetics. Hypothetics. Was it Comedy Spot? Is that Comedy? Yeah, spot? yeah, yeah. I saw the flyer. <clears throat> okay, um, so, I didn't go to the show though. Yeah. Um, I went to the show because two of the girls that are in telenovela are in the hypothetics. And I was oh, like, okay. I was like, I got to go. I got to go support my girls. You yeah. Know? And so I went, Becky, okay, it's an all-female improv group, and they are all scientists. Yes. Them so, and entertainment and women. I so, love this. So they get a suggestion of a science-related theme from the crowd, mm -hmm. and then they take that suggestion they form a hypothesis, and then their improv scenes are testing the hypothesis. What? And at the end of the episode, they give their results. Are you serious? My mind was blown. Like they're actually doing like 
like the scenes, like an experiment. Like the scenes were okay. So like what it was last night was the coronavirus, mm-hmm. right? So then one of them was the coronavirus. Oh my god! And she was like. I need to get ready because I'm about to go viral. I'm going to be the biggest disease since the Black Plague. Oh, my goodness. And then somebody would be like, you've only killed 26 people. (laughs) This is great. It was amazing. And it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was sold out because I don't know what the numbers were. Mm -hmm. But if you came in at 1040, uh, good luck finding a seat. Wow. Because uh, you are definitely going to be on the back wall. I've seen oh the back goodness. wall fuller. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade on the, on the, <laughs> on the back wall at the comedy spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw shade <laughs> at the hypothesis. But uh, it would. I'm just saying, if you and your friend showed up late last night, good luck finding seats together. Wow. It was packed out. And what they, they, they had won like cage match like five weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And this was their first official 1030 show. And man, wow, they, they blew it out of the water. It was amazing. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go to the next show then. Yeah, definitely. That keep, sounds incredible. Keep an eye out for them. And and, uh, and then before that, I went over to, uh, I started at the comedy spot and I watched Imported Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then That's I a went, great show. And then I went over to Stab to watch the drag show, but I didn't realize it started at 730 and I got there at 8. Oh, okay. So I kind of just stood. <laughs> I got to watch them change. Not watch them change, but I was like in the front room. <laughs> got it. You when they were like getting that? ready to go back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in the front room. So uh, that, and it was that show was packed too. Was, there, I didn't go in. But like mm-hmm. Jesse's like, I'm not going to charge you. Uh, you can go in and try to find a seat. But uh, next show's at nine. So I just hung out. And then I, I stayed there and I watched warm takes. Mm-hmm. And like, um, uh, I'm, of course, you know the host, uh, Emma and uh, heard of her. Uh, oh, Emma, yeah, yeah, Emma, Emma Heaney. Is yeah, that what Emma it is? Heaney, yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, um, Corey. Oh, yeah, Corey Baron. Darn it. Love I him. was like, I was like, don't forget his name, and I forgot his name. <laughs> um, and that show was great. And then I went back over to Comedy Spot and uh, caught the Hypotha Chicks. That's awesome. Oh, and That's I a caught a good night of entertainment. I caught you Thursday night. Uh, where was i thursday was oh thursday? fresh five fresh five yeah <laughs> yeah that was a interesting set that that, those that? are always interesting <laughs> um, i love fresh five yeah fun. Uh, did you like any of that stuff Are you gonna keep any of that stuff uh i am going to uh i think i'm gonna try to rework out the super nintendo one about uh-huh. like my mom um buying vegas steaks because i do think that there's like some really cool imagery to build with just like my upstairs family room actually being a casino okay uh, and i just went to ben and i were in tahoe yesterday yeah so and then we stayed in boomtown which is like not a place to go anymore i remember when boomtown was brand new and it was booming and it's not uh-huh. um but we stayed there and like i gambled a little bit and i was just like man this is uh awful <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a good gambler what's your what's your go-to when I play when- slots yeah okay so you're Um, so you're the novice gambler yeah yeah Yeah. i play like my mom played slots she loved it so but i never play tables um i always play penny slots and if i ever win like a any jackpot over 50 bucks i cash out and i'm done so like i hit that discipline yeah so i hit a a jackpot last night it was 99 dollars, and i was like okay bye now can you do the thing where you're like i'm gonna gamble 40 dollars and that's it uh yeah i had 20 dollars I went wow. out with 20 bucks. I applaud you. And um, they had a special, actually. So, like, I had $20. They had a special. 
that if you signed up for the Players Club and you lost $25, then they would give you $25 in free play. So then I added another $5 to my tw- – I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's just do it. So I lost the 25 They gave me the 25 And then it was off that that I won the 99 And I was like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm done. Go yeah, to bed. It's yeah, fine. That's it's great. Because that paid for your gas. Exactly. And, yeah. It paid for, yeah, my gas and then, like, the taxes and everything for the room. I was like, okay, well, I don't need to do this. Any- I've always been like that. Since the first time I went gambling, I was 17. Uh-huh. And – um. I think I won like 50 bucks off of like a, like $3 in a penny machine. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to go get French fries. Big. Yeah. You're probably like, oh, this gambling's great. <laughs> yeah. But my, I come from like a very um, lucky family. And I know that this sounds really wild to like anybody that's listening. Like they're like, luck isn't real. Like that's not how gambling works. Look, my aunt was a, she was a pro and I'm just talking slots. I'm not talking tables Okay. and they would win so much money. My aunt was like a, like the highest level, like, you know, like comp rooms, they'll come pick you up and like take you. She lived in Fremont in every casino in this area. Wow. So like as far as like Jackson Rancheria, Black Oak Casino, Thunder Valley, Red Hawk, all of them. Like uh-huh. she was just like, it's insane. I don't, it's not healthy. And she would just like chain smoke her fucking Virginia Slims and just travel around and play slots. Um, And then my mom was all, she used to go with my, with my great aunt. So like they gambled all the time, just like had this weird luck. And my dad was telling me the story like two years ago. He was, uh, it was actually when my dad had to go to like the hospital for like, he was having like some breathing issues. And um, so he went into Elk Grove, which is like, he usually is in like Modesto or Turlock. So he was in Elk Grove. So I went and saw him. I took the day off work and I just like stayed with him the whole day at the hospital and we hung out like it was, and it was hell of fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was just like telling me all these wild stories and, um, about how we met my mom. Cause my mom had three kids when they met and he was like, yeah, like we didn't have any money. He was like, but your mom was really lucky. So on like when I would get paid, like we would set aside like $150 and go to the casino. And there was never a time that we came back with less than $3,500. Oh my God. And it was always when they didn't have any other money. And I was like, yo, that's not. And he was like, no, I know. Like, I understand that it's not a normal thing. And did, did she have like a method, like, like max bet, lower the bet? I don't know. She never, never she never shared anything. And was, um, it, was it something where like, uh, cause like my mom will right away be like, this machine's cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my mom taught me that you have to like stock a machine, like not stock a machine, but you have to walk around the whole casino until one machine calls you. Like you can't just like go sit down in a slot and think that like that's going to be okay. Uh Like you have to like walk through and like find the energy of like the machine that like you're meant to be at. And I did like last night. I did that. And by the way, like my mom isn't blood related to me. So this wasn't like some sort of like ancestral gift or anything. No, (laughs) no, it was just like very lucky. Maybe it was through osmosis. I don't fucking know. But um, no, I walked around the whole casino until I found like one machine, the one that I wanted. And I sat down at it and I played it for 15 minutes. And then I won my 99 bucks. And I was like, that's good enough. That's good. I'm going to go. So did you grow up out here then? Uh, no, I grew up, I lived in Fremont. I was born in Oakland. Okay. I was born during the, uh, Loma Prieta earthquake in 89. Uh-huh. That was, it caused my birth. I wasn't due for like another week and a half. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and, but I was already going to be, um, placed into, into foster care. So my parents, like my now parents, um, they were, uh, foster parents. They had just gotten approval to become foster parents for at-risk infants. Mm-hmm. And I was an at-risk infant. Um, I was born um to an addict okay so i was placed with them like five days after i was born it was like in the hospital for 
surveillance or whatever the fuck they call it. Right, right. And then placed with them. I was with them for about, I want to say like three months and they decided to adopt me. And it was this like, whole thing. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a cute kid. Yeah, you had to. Um, I was yeah. very cute. And I was babies, their first. Babies aren't cute. Like when they're first born. No. Well, oh. black babies are always cute. Oh, I, is it? I believe that like just personally, okay. I always believe that black babies, Latino babies and Filipino babies are always just the cutest fucking babies. All right. And my friend's mom, she used to do my hair and she used to always tell me she was like, I love black babies because whenever I see a white baby, they look like an undone biscuit. <laughs> that she was like it's true they just look all doughy and not cooked <laughs> and i was like okay whatever ma'am and so what who, uh what's some background on your foster parents where were they from uh they were my dad is uh he was from texas mm-hmm. my mom grew up in kansas and they both moved out west oh wow. i don't know why i didn't ask a lot of questions uh-huh. but um my mom was married to some dude that was like it's actually from sacramento i recently had dinner with him like a year ago he's a fucking prick but uh uh, (laughs) that's actually a funny story that i already told on a different podcast so i won't tell it here that's fine uh but um so she was married to this guy they had three kids they got a divorce and then she met my dad um this was like in the late 60s early 70s she met my dad my dad was like yeah this seems cool and after three months they got married Mm -hmm. and then they had my brother who's like the closest to me in age, but he's still 18 years older than me. Wow. And um, they had him. And then once he was out of the house, they decided to become foster parents. Mm-hmm. And then I was their first foster child. So then they were like, yeah, we'll keep this one. So and I was the to, only one they kept. And you got to stay with the same family the whole same time. Same family my whole life. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, so yeah. lucky. Right? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you hear foster child and you're like, oh, this poor child. Yeah, this poor kid went through the whole system and like yeah. was moving stuff around in a, in a, in a fucking bag. trash bag. Yeah, yeah, I never. No, I was just like one spot. But it was, it's hard to, um, I think like, because growing up, we always had foster kids. And so it's weird. So you would see people come in and out of the come house. Come and go all the mm. time. So like, it's, it's, you learn like at a very young age. And I also think that's why, like the way that I, that I grieve things is very different from other people is because when you get so used to somebody, um, being in your life, like every day and you play with them and you have fun with them and they're like, they are your brother or sister because my parents were very much like every kid in this house is the same. Mm-hmm. So like they weren't like my foster brother, my foster sister. Like this was just like Andy and he was my brother that lived, you know, across the hallway from me. But then like all of a sudden, like three weeks later, like Andy was fucking gone. And like, where did my yeah. brother go? And also like, this is Emily. <laughs> and she yeah, yeah, lives yeah. In, you know? So like you, it's weird because like, you're not old enough to really understand how it all works, but you're definitely aware of like, Oh, I made this connection with this kid. That's my age that I love to play with. And now they're not here anymore. <laughs> and like, what happened? Yeah. Um, so you learn to like build up like a lot of like weird defense mechanisms about people and getting close to people and like not getting too close to people. And it's a whole thing that I should probably explore in therapy. <laughs> no, um, I, I kind of, I, I kind of had to think about that, but not at, at a young age, but like, like I'm, I'm 48. So mm-hmm. like in my early thirties, like I was just like everyone, like we're just passing through each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Like all of my, like I had seen like, you know, my childhood best friends, like now we hardly ever talked. And, yeah. like, and then like, you know, my, my father passing and like my sister passing. And I was like, I'm not going to get attached to anything anymore because yeah. this fucking sucks when I got to say goodbye, you know? And so I developed this, this very cynical attitude of like, like, especially like with my work friends, like they'd be like, Oh, we're going to be best friends forever. And I'm like, no, we're not. Right. 
that's so funny because I almost feel like it pushed me in like the opposite direction where like now as I am a, a little bit and I'm st- I'm 30 so wow. like I'm still there's plenty of time for me to be hardened by like the reality of the world <laughs> yeah buckle um, up kid. yeah but I almost think that I'm like even more eager to like build connections with people and just be like grateful for like the, whatever time I have with them uh-huh. and then like you know if it doesn't work like I'm I will always be okay with like this didn't work out, but like I cherish whatever time this was. That's so and, great. Yeah. But it's also been through like a lot of like failed friendships and like people coming into my life and then not sticking around and then just having to be like, yeah, like some people, sometimes people just like don't mesh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes like they're only supposed to be here for a chapter. Like all of that is okay. Yeah. Um, And that's sort of like what I'm getting to right now where I'm like, you know, I can't worry about this too much, but I'm going to love people while they're here. And then when they're not, you know, I'll remember them as a fond memory. Except yeah. my parents, I still love them. They're gone, but I, they're cool. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, speaking of people you're fond of, I'm always seeing you and Emma together. Oh, Miss Emma Haney. How long? Look, you just lit up. You <laughs> yeah, no, Emma's up. great. You forgot all about Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Emma's the only Kobe I'll ever need. That's so, not fucking true. Well, how long have you known? Um, did, I'm I'm gonna assume that you met Emma through comedy. Yeah, and for the most part, I met Emma. Um, like, was it a slow growth? Was it was it like so many good friends? Are like, man, when I first met him, I thought they were a dick. You <laughs> know what? All of my best friends except Emma, I hated before really? we became. Yeah, my my best friend in the whole world. She lives in Texas, and she bullied me in like. <laughs> seventh grade i was like this kind i fucking hate her yeah and then by like senior year of high school we like bonded over hooking up with the same dude and we have just been like she's my favorite person like i love her and we visit each other every year and it's great and she's the best but um yeah every friendship that i've had that's been like really important to me i've always hated the person first it's like usually a good indicator that i'm gonna be friends with somebody Mm -hmm. uh and that wasn't the case with emma i met emma when ben rice and i first started dating and um she was around because we went we did a lot of like comics brunches and i was living in chico at the time oh okay. so that's where i started stand up so i was living in chico ben was living in midtown sacramento i would come visit um we'd switch off like visiting each other every other weekend and when i would come to sac he would um we'd go out to brunch with other comics and emma was almost always at brunch she's a big bruncher uh-huh. and so we just kind of like hit it off and yeah have just we have like um similar appreciations for like comics and we have similar taste in comedy and um we're mean we're very mean people so i think that we like compliment each other quite nicely you guys are not mean oh maybe you are maybe I just don't uh, we know. have moments i think that we're kind well you know what though too like i will say like me and my best friend uh from bakersfield like we can be really mean too but mm-hmm. we're just like it's just in talking like did you see this did you see, did you see what they were wearing yeah, yeah yeah that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff that'll but, happen. Like, but like we're not like going out at night and like busting windows or nothing like that anymore. oh yeah no emma anymore. and i aren't strong enough to do those things she'd be so mad if she heard me say that which she will <laughs> she'll send me a text and be like first of all i'm definitely strong enough to break oh my a window. god when you get that text that starts <laughs> off with first of all <laughs> I will. It'll come. I'll screenshot it and send it to you. Like when you when you get that when you get that text that says, first of all, you start you scroll back to well, <laughs> first of all, what did I say? Oh, oh man. Oh man. So how long have you been doing comedy? I'm gonna say um, like maybe five years, six yeah. years? Yeah. Five years. Uh five years in September of nice. last of, of last year. So still finding my footing, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they say it takes it takes a while to find your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm just now 
starting to get there. I don't mm-hmm. think I've found it yet, but I'm getting closer. <clears throat> when you go to, uh, uh, give me some advice because, uh, so I'm like 18 months in, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And last year I was going through a thing where, um, let's say I would book a show for like the 15th and like fr- from the first until the 15th, I like had like my set, like this is what my set's going to be. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking that I have enough material that I don't want to like focus on this is my set for the next 14 days. Like I just want to like stay sharp mm-hmm. and then get to the show super early and kind of like judge from the room kind of what I should do. Yeah. Um. Okay. Advice regarding that. I. I don't know. I feel like that's so normal. Like what it is that you're that you're talking about. Like I don't know that there's necessarily is it if it's working for you, uh-huh. then do that. Um, I know that like now for me, uh, I'm much more inclined to just like yeah, I'm gonna show up at the show and find out. I don't know. I'm gonna go up and we're just gonna we're all gonna find that, out what happens. That's together. what I see you guys doing is like yeah. you guys just show up and <laughs> super calm, and then just go up there and murder. And I'm just like okay, I'm done. But okay. also, like, I will tell you, it's not always sunshine and daisies. Like, on, I bombed so bad on New Year's Eve. I bombed in Mill Valley at the Throckmorton. I've, I've told so many people this story. Because <laughs> uh, it was just, like, the worst possible way to, like, end fucking right? 2019. <laughs> it was just, like, the worst bomb. And I did the same thing I always do. I, like, showed up and I, uh, I was sitting backstage. I was, like, playing two dots on my phone, which is, like, my favorite game to play. And then they called my name and I was like, all right, we're going to see how this shit goes. And it did not go well at all. Um, from the only laugh that I got was when I said I was almost done. Like it was, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was like seven to 10 minutes of just awful jokes. And it was my act. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, I was the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I forgot one of my punchlines. And so it sort of like snowballed into me just like losing confidence really quickly. And instead of being able to just recover and just like, go back and like play the hits i just like kind of like stumbled around on stage and i'd gone up after Kyrie, and i think that um where i made a poor decision is instead of trying to meet them at Kyrie's energy and sort of like transition them into like who i am on stage i really mm-hmm. just went out and was like no i'm a fucking asshole and we're just gonna roll with it and uh it was a it was a poor choice on my part for just not fully understanding the task that I was there to do like accomplish. Um, and it was hard. And Kyrie and I talked about it like, um, like a week or two afterwards. And he was like, this is what I think, you know, you should have done. And I was like, yeah, no, I realized that, but you always realize that when it's too late, like it was on the drive we were leaving. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is a hundred percent how it should have gone down. And it's not, and I learned from it and it's fine. I started off 2020 much more comfortable with, um, who I am on stage, but no matter I guess the point is that like no matter what preparation you have or do or whatever ritual like works for you uh none of it is is a sure thing yeah sometimes things are just gonna go wrong um I think the key is just really like being confident in whatever it is that you are wanting to do with that time okay regardless of what the crowd is regardless of what you think it what you think they want to hear um, because like it's you, you have the power. Like you're the one that's deciding. I this is what I think is funny, uh, and I'm gonna make you think it's funny too. Okay. And so like when you go up with that, like then you know like if it doesn't work, 
okay, well, I didn't convey this to you <laughs> well enough. And right. then so and then you start to figure out like, well, what could I have done different or what can I have done wrong? But essentially, like you're given this time to like do whatever you want. Like you're guiding this crowd on a journey mm-hmm. and you have to decide where it ends up. And if it doesn't end up where you were expecting it to go, something went very wrong. there. <laughs> um, so it's, and then it's just like going back and reflecting and trying to figure out how you can avoid that the next time. Um, but yeah, like if you know what your set is or if you have, you know, if it's the beginning of the month, you know, you have a, a show in two weeks and you're trying to figure out what to do. Or if you're deciding like, maybe I don't want to do these jokes anymore. Just like get up at mics and don't do those jokes. Cause you know what those jokes are, right? Yeah, the jokes yeah. that you're going to do in a set, you know, those jokes. So those are going to stay there. And so like, if you're, if you're feeling like, I don't want to do these jokes because I don't want them to feel stale when I go do them on this show, just do other stuff. Yeah. Whatever it is that you want to work out. And then maybe like, you know, two nights before the show, go out and, you know, do whatever set it is that you're going to do yeah, the night of that, that show just, if yeah, you want. If you air. feel like, I, yeah, I need to make sure that I'm going to, you know, hit all my points. Right. Then do that. All right. That, yeah, that's some good advice. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been a lot. Um, the, then the five years you've been doing it, has it been fun the whole time or have there been no, times? No, it's definitely not have, have there been No, have there been times where you're just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And or like you're just like okay, yeah. I, I have a job, I have this, and I don't, I just don't have time. And I've never um, felt like I didn't have the time to do it. I've always made sure I had the time. Okay. Um, but there were times where I didn't know that I had the strength. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, prioritizing the time was never an issue. But there were you know there were definitely days. There were days where I would come home from work. I remember when Ben and I first moved in together, and I was going to do. Um, a show at the comedy spot that Daniel Humberger was hosting. Okay. And I came home and I was having a bad day and I came home and like Ben's cat had like shit on my jeans underneath <laughs> the bed and I pulled them out and I just fucking fell apart. And I was like, I can't like, I just can't, I can't do this. I can't go perform. I can't do anything anymore. Like I'm done. And then Ben was like, okay, don't do the show. And I was like, well, I have to do the show. I just, <laughs> just like, let me have my moment. And then I pulled myself together and I went and did it. And I've, I've never regretted going to do, you know, a show where I didn't have like the strength or energy to do it. But there were times that after sets, I was like, man, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing stand up comedy? Because it doesn't feel like it right uh-huh. now. I had a really bad bomb in Santa Cruz at the Crow's Nest when I was like two years in. I went with um, Keith Will Jensen and Johnny Taylor and Bill Wallace. Okay. And Bill Wallace hosted. I went up after Bill and then Johnny and then Keith. And it was my set was the worst set I've ever had. I mean, second was Throckmorton on New Year's Eve, like just a few weeks ago. Like that was the second worst set I've ever had in my life. Wow. But this one was bad. Uh-huh. And um, and I didn't know how to bomb yet. So like I was just like devastated. And it was the um, weekend of 4th of July. And like people were clearly out like they were out in like american flag suits okay which okay. i'd never seen before it was awful um but there were people were like setting off fireworks on the beach like it was this whole thing and we're in the crow's nest we're upstairs and they're like ready for a show like and that room is hard um and i think that anybody listening that has done it before like you know the first time you do the crow's nest you haven't fully figured it out and it's difficult um to sort of like find your footing there and once you do it's fine 
but they're they're a tough room they've been doing stand-up there for like 25 years so they're harsh critics yeah yeah um and it was really bad and I just remember like getting home and being and just being like I don't think I wasn't prepared for comedy to go this bad and maybe I don't need to do it anymore wow um and then I did Uh I, I sulked for a day and a half and then the next day I went to the comedy spot. Well, sometimes you need to do that. Yeah. I think it's okay to sit in it for a minute, but you can't get stuck in it, right? right. Yeah. That's great. And I wrote down like this year, because I started this year with a new notebook. And so I wrote down like just like things to like remind myself like in my notebook. And it was like after a bomb. Actually, let me pull it out. Oh. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, my formula. She, oh, it says how she, to get through a bomb. <laughs> she had her notebook at the ready, folks. Like it was. Oh like, yeah, it's it's, a, it's always in my purse. Uh, <laughs> it's I have it's just three things, and it's remember what you learned from it. Uh, go to TJ Maxx, <laughs> <laughs> which I did, and I've done every time I've bombed, uh, and then get back on stage. And it literally says like water, rinse, repeat. So however many bombs, whatever, however many times it takes to like go through those three things, but like that works for me. So some retail therapy. A little bit of retail therapy. Go to a thrift store if you can't afford TJ Maxx. Uh, I've That's done some that great too. advice. But it works. Yeah. It works. What's your go-to when you're going to TJ Maxx? What are you, you going to shop for? Uh, I like phone cases. Yes. I like phone cases a this lot. Oh, I like that I re- one. I, I got oh, this that's one at, nice. I got this one at the pink store down here on El Camino. Oh, okay. And it's like on, on El Camino. And, yeah, it has uh, like a little kickstand and, and uh, everything. Northgate and... I showed it to my friend and she had to have one and we went yesterday and she got one, but I love it. They're the best. Yeah. Phone yeah. cases. Phone, phone cases. Um, I always go for those because they're cheap. Yeah. Like and 10 like, bucks, 15 yeah. bucks. But it's just like another like stylish thing. I have a basket in my room that has like 23 phone cases in it because I do have a really bad problem. Um, but yeah, phone cases, scarves, um, and then like a new shirt if I feel it or a water bottle. I like reusable water bottles a lot. Really? Yeah. 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 Nice. And sometimes a new notebook. I'm getting to where like I the other day I was at I was at Target the other night mm-hmm. and I wanted to go by and look for a new notebook because I, I love my notebooks and I love putting stickers on my notebooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love stickers and and uh, but my retail therapy is is always sneakers. Nice is going to the the Adidas outlets. That's good. And uh, but I can I can walk away if there's not a good deal. So like maybe five or six years ago, like I would just buy something because I was there Mm -hmm. and then I would have these sneakers that I would never wear. Right. But now, um, I guess because I have a mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It changes things a little bit, right? Mortgage changes. Yeah. Things. And now I only buy extra sneakers when I absolutely have a good deal and they totally are going to look great with the shirt I have. Yeah. I try to, um, keep everything like super reasonable. I also have been lucky in that I've always worked for like retailers so um before right now i work for um i work at a shoe company a corporate office for a shoe company and so we get like a huge discount on shoes so i love that nice and then before that i worked at sephora so i got like a huge discount on like makeup and skincare and all of that so like my retail therapy was like really built in like in those spaces right um so now like i i try to like go outside of like what I'm working in. So before when I would bomb, like I would like go to Sephora and I'd spend a bunch of money. And then once I worked there, I was like, well, this doesn't have the same feeling Mm -hmm. because I just buy stuff here all the time anyways. Yeah. 
um thrifting is really nice because you get to find stuff that's like super unique and I, yeah i was gonna say thrifting is really awesome because you're like when you go when you're going into a tj maxx or you're going into a sephora you have an idea of what you're gonna get yeah yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. but when you go into a thrift store you have no, no idea. idea right <laughs> <laughs> then you walk out and it's and it's and it'll be, it'll be like something like you'll be like look at this fucking ashtray and your friend's like it's fucking dirty and it right? smells but, like, look, but you're like look, but look it's porcelain. very cool I know. somebody made this <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, somebody named Bobby. <laughs> says Bobby yeah, but it's like on it. the back, just like painted very terribly, and yeah. you're like, I love Bobby's ashtray. Yeah. It's gonna live right here. Bobby gave. I'd like start making up a backstory. Oh, yeah. Like Bobby gave this to his mom. Bobby didn't realize that his mom was gonna die of lung cancer. <laughs> oh, I'll buy clothes from the thrift store that have like the names of like who they belong to before. You uh-huh. know, from like responsible mothers that were like, yeah, I have to put his name on these things because he's always like leaving his shit at other people's houses. And I say he because I buy a lot of men's clothes at thrift stores it's like my favorite thing to buy and like i just got, got this like really nice uh it was labeled a boyfriend sweater which just means it was a man's sweater uh-huh. <laughs> but they could sell it at a consignment shop for more if they called it something else and then i opened it or i like opened um or when i looked on the inside on the tag on the inside it had the name miles on it and i was like cool I like okay that that's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I bought it at consignment and not at a thrift store so it was still like 17 dollars which was annoying but i really like the sweater so i don't care that's nice that's nice and now i can just say that miles gave it to me miles is a nice guy yeah hey let's uh let's open up our social media and see what people are saying about the late oh yeah 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 the late great uh kobe bryant unfortunately passed away and i am going to open up my facebook and the first thing i see is nick johnson of the gag on this podcast dude exclamation question exclamation freaking kobe oh man oh here's a tribute from uh wendy lewis i was gonna try to do it in my wendy lewis voice <laughs> but Don't. i'll fuck it up <laughs> <clears throat> so this is a tribute from wendy lewis posted three minutes ago life is so weird i love the city of la it's where i was born and i love basketball so much i even named my son after michael jordan i know death comes for us all eventually and being caught up in day-to-day life, we forget just how fragile it can be. Kobe Bryant, one of the best and brightest in the game, and one of the most fun to watch master his craft, is no longer here. His wife and kids must be devastated. This is just sad. You're so sad. Oh, wow. Okay, let me see. This is. I'm going to try, like, I'm trying to find one that makes me really feel things. Oh, let me respond. Okay, then I'm going to go ahead and read one from my friend in Bakersfield, Christina Mendez. My heart hurts. Sad face, broken heart, RIP, praying hands. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will do it for you. Kobe Bryant. And it's a picture of Kobe, and he's holding a black basketball wearing a black hoodie. Oh, this one is sad. Uh, My friend Raven Wilkins. Uh, she said, I pray his family wasn't with him. This one is such a big hit to the culture. I'm checking hard on all the little boys and girls that he inspired into the people I know now. We lost a real one, the greatest to ever do it. A friend of mine posted a Kobe quote that says, you asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this is so hard. No, there are also just a lot of really cute dogs on my Facebook. Um, let's see. 
I really need to know who else was on this helicopter, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of sad. They're just saying, and four other people. How are we going to just, like, start 2020 off <laughs> like this? We were all having a good run. So here's our, so, so some Kings fans are are, uh, are posting tributes. Uh, Morty Stein, holy crap. I hated Kobe for being a rival to my Kings, but this is horrible. Rest in peace, Kobe, and thanks for all the highlights. Ugh. Uh, I saw Drew Abshiner posted something earlier, too. Oh, that one's going to be sad. I have a feeling. It was very Drew Abshiner-ish, where <laughs> he kind of makes the best of it, you know? Kobe Bryant. So here's Drew Abshiner. Kobe Bryant was the villain against the Kings like no other. He broke my heart so many times growing up. I feel lucky to have seen him do it in person a few times. This sucks. Rest in peace, Kobe. Ugh. And then there's a... Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, pretty sad tributes right now on the Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram as uh, Kobe Bryant passed away. Oh, no. Sorry. No? Um, Paco Remain posted, there's word that all four of Kobe's kids were also on board with him. His wife was not on the helicopter. Shut. Good gravy. I hope this isn't true. If it is, poor woman. No, 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 no. This, this can't be. If it's his kids, man, I can't. This is going to be so much worse. This is going to be... Ugh. Uh, maybe no. it wasn't Maybe it wasn't a good idea to read some... No, I'm so sad. I'm not ready. Uh, shooting a paper ball into a trash can and yelling, Kobe! Yes! It's <laughs> never going to be the same. Uh, no, it's going to be so much better now. It'll be like pouring one out for him. It'll be worth it. I'm very speechless on what's happening. Our black mamba died because of a helicopter crash. Rest in peace, Kobe. And to his daughter. Kobe will want games to be played today. Uh, let's see if there's some celebrity ones. Mm. Yeah. Just a sad day, you guys. This is. It's just like... Yeah, man, it really does. And like Wendy said, like it does come for us all. Like death really does. And that's um, not to like change the subject so drastically. Maybe I we won't. need to. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I was, when Ben and I were coming back from uh, Boomtown last night. I was, I've really just been trying to think about like what I want my purpose to be like comedy wise through this year. And I want to write in like a very specific direction. And so like, and I'm sure like anybody that's seen my act knows that like right now I do have like a pretty decent chunk about like having dead parents and like what that's like and like how it affects me. And so, and a lot of that was like really just me like working through like my feelings and, um, you know, sort of making a mockery of like how other people handle someone else's tragedy um, and so like kind of a direction that I am wanting to go and I'm trying to write towards this year is really just like normalizing death, like not about grief, because grief tends to be like what people get wrapped up in when you discuss death. And but death is is like inevitable. Right. right and right. like the biggest fear about it. And and my the pastor that did my um my mom's service 
uh, really made a point to like mention we were like doing an interview with him. We were talking about like what we wanted to be referenced. Well, we actually did a conference call, which is a weird thing to do. Yeah, it's really uh, weird. <laughs> it was like on my lunch break at one of my jobs. I was like, I gotta go. I'm gonna take a long lunch today. I have a conference call, and they were like, what? And I was like, no, for my mom's funeral. It's a whole thing. Um, but he said he was like, you know, something that we have to remember that uh, people get very worked up at funerals um, because they start to think about their own mortality. And when I started, when I started writing jokes about when I started writing dead parent jokes, to be frank, um, I had to spend a lot of time making sure to like check in on the audience and be like, you know, and like uh, at Mm. first it was really just being like, I know that you guys are thinking about your dead parents right now. And this is about my dead parents. Like this is my time to shine. Stop being selfish. And I did that like a few times just to like sort of like break them open. And Uh then what I was learning is as I was getting into other crowds and other rooms, like people were more of a median age where they were like losing they were losing their parents. They were a little bit older too, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, like this isn't, this needs to be handled a little bit differently. And people do start to think about their own mortality um, or about their family's mortality. And I think that, that it's that fear of like, I'm going to die one day that makes people so quick to just like shut it out of their mind. Right. It's also like, I think it's a reason that a lot of people get get very uncomfortable when they go to church and start talking about like the book of revelations. People start to clam up and get really sweaty because it's like, ah, this is so unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. And, um, I think that's where I'm like wanting to go with my writing now Uh is just sort of experiment with like, you know, like what does like death mean to us? And like, why are we so horrified of it and scared? And like, I mean, there's no proof that it's bad. It's no, just like n- over. No one ever comes back. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, did bad. they need to, you yeah. know, a lot of people, that's like such an insensitive thing to say <laughs> with like Kobe Bryant being dead. And that, that's not what I mean. Um, but I guess in some ways it is what I mean. Like that, um, that this is a thing that happens that like nobody's excused from it. Nobody gets to like run away from it. People are, you know, always trying to like pour money into staying alive longer. Um, and I just think that like the fear around around death needs to be sort of like explored a little bit more and maybe quelled a little bit. Like maybe people need to just like, you know, yeah. kind of like come to terms with like yeah. the reality of it. Yeah. Because there's like different cultures it. and different religions that like they, they don't fear it as much. They see it more as a transition right. than, than, mm-hmm. a, than, a, than a departure. And it, that's a, a thing is that it's very much, um, it is so American to be, horrified to be like terrified mm. and petrified of death uh-huh. and like a lot of friends that I have from other cultures like it's sad um obviously like losing a, you know especially like someone that's near and dear to your heart is like very very devastating but it's also um not handled the same way yeah and like here it's like really about the finality of it all they're not going to be here for like all of these things yeah. and it's less about like the you know all the things that they were here for <laughs> yeah like when when somebody dies at like 88 years old i'm like that's a good run yeah you yeah. know and that was like what was such a trip um like again like i mentioned you know my my parents are a lot older than um the average parents like they they were in their they were in their 50s uh-huh. um when they became foster parents so all of their kids, all of my siblings are like a lot older. So like my mom was like 75, I think 75 or 76 when she died. Mm-hmm. My dad was like 72 or 73, which is young until you know their health Ish. issues. Yeah, and then it's yeah. sort of like, well, no, that makes sense. And I just remember like all, my siblings were so um, in shock. They're like, oh, this came out of the blue. I can't believe this. And I was like, yo, 
mom's been in, in and out of the hospital since I was 15. Yeah. That's 15 years of like, this could be it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and my dad, like he had COPD, he was on oxygen, like he was losing weight, he was diabetic. Like it was a matter of time. But I also have to remember that I guess for me, because I grew up in that, I grew up very much with this reality and understanding of like the finality of death and like what it would mean for my life. So, and a friend of mine, I'm rambling. Is that okay? No, that's I'm gonna, fine. Okay. So a friend of mine, when I first started stand-up, there was this comedian in Chico who is dead now. Uh, and he was a mortician. And so when I was, um, when I was first starting stand-up, my mom was getting sicker and sicker. She had been diagnosed with cancer. She clearly wasn't going to have a lot of time left. And I was talking to him about it. And I was like, and it's weird because like I feel okay. Like I don't feel um, lost or like blindsided or like devastated like I really just feel like well yeah this is what was going to happen and he explained it to me and he was like that's actually has a name it's called pre-mortem pre-mortem grief and it's something that people that like live with others that are going to die or like you know usually people that are very closely um connected to somebody that has like terminal illness will go through the stages of grief while the person is still alive so they've already like gone gotten to the stage begun saying goodbye yeah so they've gotten to the stage of acceptance before like you know the person is actually deceased because that really was what happened like with my mom like i was very much just like well yeah okay and then it was relieving for me because i was like well she's miserable like this is awful um I, I can't keep coming home and going back to Chico and coming home and going back to Chico and she doesn't want to be around anymore so I don't understand why we're all just like trying to like extend this misery of her on a hospital bed in our living room like it's very depressing that is yeah and so um when that so for me I was just like yeah like this is the thing that happened and like all of my siblings I have three brothers and a sister and they were all just like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? And I was like, what have you been doing this whole time? Like, you you guys had her your whole lives. Like, yeah, you had kids. Yeah. You got married. You know, they like, she saw your kids and then, like, their kids. Like, you, like don't be greedy. Like, just, like, let it go. Yeah. And um, they it was just, like, such a shock for them. Well, and Yeah. I think what you mentioned earlier about grief and grieving, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times when you see like a, hyster a hysterical person at a funeral, it's like they're kind of like, maybe you should have had a better relationship while it was still going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of regret well, and in that, that. Yeah. And that's a very good point because like my mom and I had a very not good relationship for mm -hmm. a majority of my life. So, and at one point, like we had stopped talking for like a year and a half. Uh -huh. And then finally, like I called her and we sat down and I was like, look, I was like, you're not going to live that much longer. And I am. I was like, so we either have to like acknowledge that like there are parts of us that are never going to get along. And like we move forward and just like have the best relationship that we can. Or we just don't talk to each other. And then you die. We never resolve this. And then like that's just the end of it. Then you're going to carry and, that. Yeah. And so and I had to make that decision like pretty young. I was probably like. 22 or 23 i was about to ask how old were yeah, you yeah i was when super you, when young you came up, when you came did and did was that just on your own or do I yeah I, talk to you for me that? it was really just like i have control over the like the toxicity that i allow in my life so when we stopped talking i was like this is the best choice for us and so when we started talking again um i was just more consciously aware of like who she was as a person and um you know you can't expect my cousin like sort of described it to me she was like we have relationships with other people and we ex we expect them to give us things that they don't have, right? So it's like going to an ATM and trying to take out money from an account that doesn't have the money in it. Like mm. you're going to, you know, you're either going to like overdraw and just like 
try to take things away from them that like just don't aren't actually there. They can't actually give you. So you're going to make them less of a person or you're going to, you know, save your own money that you have and um, do your best to be able to just find like common ground. And so once I was able to sort of like look at the dynamic of our relationship and be like, I can't change you and you don't get me. (laughs) So the only thing that we can do is just like really like love each other unconditionally, like regardless of those things. And like once you realize that, especially like pretty young, it becomes way easier to interact with other people, which sort of like ties back to like, yeah, when I have relationships with people and things don't work out, like that's okay. Like I can just be like, yeah, that's fine. Like I don't want to ask things from you that you don't have. And I don't want you to think that, you know, I'm going to change because I won't. And if we can't get to a point where like we can't discuss how we're going to, you know, figure this out, then let's move on and just remember that like shit was very good. And my point with this is that my sister did not do that. So my sister, when my mom died, my sister and her were like at odds, like in the peak of like not getting along. And so I think she has a lot of like residual frustration and resentment and all of that. And she's a grown ass woman. That was her choice. She made a decision to do that. And I feel for her because who knows if she'll ever forgive herself. Yeah. But like for me, I'm just like, yeah, man, I, I cleaned up my shit. I tied up my loose ends. This was a, this was fine. On the, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm sad. I miss her. But, you know, I knew that I gave all that I could and there's nothing else you can do. And that's a, that's a great perspective to look at. And I hope people hear this and think about that. Mm-hmm. And um, and to have done that at such a young age, that's that's great. And um, and that's really the, the only way to move forward, you know, truly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great, Becky. Hey, man, thanks for coming on on this really weird day. <laughs> And, and this conversation I really wasn't hoping went, to like I wasn't planning on closing with like no but that's <laughs> what to do when people die this is great because you, out. you talked about like how to recover from bombing and <laughs> okay. we talked about and so all I, the different kinds of death <laughs> I think yeah I think ultimately like you you're you came on today and like helped show us how we got to keep pushing through things totally and it's not always going to be what we woke up this morning thinking we were going to have to do yeah yeah and uh, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your openness. Oh, uh, my pleasure! This. And uh, I'll see you around, man. Thanks yeah, for stopping by good. this morning. Of course, right. thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye.